Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to know when lives are impacted. And if that is you, please shoot us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the message. I don't know if it's just me, but man, I love the Christmas season, but sometimes I can dread the Christmas season. Am I alone in that? Just, just like, you know, just like lift up one, we don't want anybody to be judged here, but just kind of like, you know, just nod at me or something, if that's you. It's like, now it's all good things. Like, I'm not, I'm not down on Christmas. I, I love Christmas, but it's just all of the pressure sometimes, all of the places that we have to be, all of the things that we have to do, all, all of the responsibilities, the obligations, the, the, the things that, that are on our plate, it can be a little much. And I've just learned, like, Christmas... It's a season of extremes. Like there is extreme joy, that there's high highs, and there are some low lows. Like, like there's extreme joy, the fact we're gonna be celebrating with family, and we look forward to all of those things. But then, you know, sometimes the, the, there can be extreme frustration and anxiety when you think about everything on our plate and everything on our list that has to be done just to make that happen. Uh, there's, we may demonstrate extreme kindness or extreme generosity when we think about the reason for the season, but at the same time, we can have extreme frustration when dealing with people or when things don't go our way. There's so many things that cause us to have all these mix of emotions, and the truth is that I know that there's a number of people here that you've experienced some extreme pain recently. You've encountered extreme loss, and just as there are so many things that make the season great. There are some of you where your situation has you feeling extremely depressed and extremely drained. We all feel the pace of our life increase, even though all of us have already been running hard and pushing hard. And as all these feelings flood in, these extremes, these highs and these lows, uh, many of us, we get a sense of hopelessness during the season. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just trying to relate to where you're at and saying, I, I, I feel some of that. And just as I mentioned, like some of you, you're, you're looking forward to being with family. The, the truth is, some of you are stressed out about that right now because there are, like, there are some people in your family that, if we can just be real, like, you don't like them that much. Like, like there, there is that one, like everybody has that one person in their family that just, they always create drama whenever you get around them. And the problem is, like, Christmas is at your house this year. So when they start doing their thing, like, you can't even escape. Like, you're just going to be there. How many of you have that person in your family? You know who I'm talking about, right? Now, see, if you didn't raise your hand, you are that person. And you just need to know that this message is for you today. But uh, I want to help all of you who are, who are dealing with some of that sense of hopelessness and just the pressure of the season today. Because I believe... Uh, God's given me something that's going to encourage you, that's going to help you, that's going to strengthen you, where you're going to find new hope and get a new perspective. And the scripture that I'm going to read from, it's a pretty famous Christmas passage. The truth is, if you've ever been to a Christmas service at church, you've likely encountered these verses before. But they're a little bit hard to understand. Um, they don't always make a lot of sense, and I want to give you some context on them. They're found in Isaiah chapter 9, if you want to look them up in your Bible. And the first thing you should know about this text is that 
Isaiah is God's spokesperson to the nation of Israel. Now, the, the nation of Israel in this time, they are going through uh, just an intense time of turmoil. And, and I, I know, like, sometimes the Bible can be hard to relate to, but I want you to do your best to, to put yourself in this scenario. that They're in a, in a situation where, where the nation, there is a lot of political unrest. They, they, they have corrupt leaders. There's racial injustice. The people cannot just seem to get ahead financially. I know sometimes the Bible doesn't relate to our life and our modern day world, but if you could just imagine yourself in this scenario, that's what they're going through. And, and the nation of Israel, they are literally divided into two nations. They're, they're split up. And Isaiah is speaking to them at a time when the people no longer prioritized or listened to the word of God. They had thought that, you know, they'd matured beyond these things, the traditions of their, their parents and grandparents, the, the, the word of God. It may have been good for them, but where they're at now, it's, they didn't really see the Bible as having weight in their life or applying to their life. And so much so that when Isaiah is speaking to them, he, he begins to describe to them the despair of their situation because of how they've neglected God's word. He talks about how they're running around and they're trying to find hope. They're trying to find help. They're running around to all these different things that they're thinking should and would satisfy them. But everywhere they go, they meet a dead end. Instead of getting help, they become more hopeless. Instead of becoming fulfilled, they wind up feeling more empty. They wind up feeling more drained. They wind up feeling more depressed about their situation. That's the context that Isaiah is speaking to them. And he, he says all this to them in Isaiah chapter 8. And it's in this context that he shifts gears and he gives them a message of hope and what's their most desperate situation. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death Upon them, a light has shined. In other words, he says, look, you've, you've tried fighting your battles on your own. How has that worked for you? It hasn't worked out so well. You, you keep feeling and living defeated. You've tried running from your problems, and that hasn't helped either. Your problems only get bigger. Everywhere you turn, you run into a dead end, and you're feeling like your situation is hopeless, but... I want to tell you that there's hope. He says, those of you who've been walking in darkness, you're going to be able to see. And those of you who've been living in despair, you're about to get some light. See, it's in the midst of this situation that Isaiah foretells of a bright future with the coming Messiah. It's in the midst of darkness and loss that he speaks about the gift of a Savior to come. And he says, for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. So just as this problem paints a picture of despair, Isaiah points to a bright future. He points to a new promise. He gives us a new perspective, and that's what I want to do for you today. Your problems that you're encountering, they may be painful, but I want to point you to a new perspective this morning, if you'll allow me. And I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, it only looks that way. 
It only looks that way. Will you help me preach this? Will you find a couple people sitting next to you, give them a Merry Christmas fist bump, and tell them it only looks that way? It only looks that way. It only looks that way. I hope you remember that this Christmas season. Well, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. And God, I'm so thankful that in the midst of desperation and in the midst of hopelessness and in the midst of all sorts of things that weigh on us, God, we can look to you and we can remember why you came, how you came into the world to help us, to save us, to give us grace. And God, I pray that this message is a strength and a hope and an encouragement to each and every person here. God, I know that there are a lot of emotions that people are carrying, a lot of weights put on because of the season. But God, I believe you wanna set some people free today. I believe you wanna give them a new perspective. So God, I'm asking that you help me do that. Help me speak your word clearly, God, and use my words this morning. God, let it be your word that goes forth and let it speak to their heart, Father. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I'm always curious when we're in these situations. It's so good to see everybody, and, and uh, I always like to have this little interaction with you. Uh, I'll just want to take a little poll. How many of you are real tree people, real Christmas tree people? Would you just raise your hand? Real tree. Everybody look around. Raise them proud. Okay. I want you to judge these people hard right now. These are the people who don't like the environment. They, they, they don't care. They are, they are chopping down trees. Uh, fake tree people. Can I just see where, I'm assuming that's the rest of us. If you didn't raise your hand for either, what do you do? Use one of those inflatables for, for your tree? I'm not sure. Um, real, I grew up a real tree person. Um, I just feel like the experience is not the same unless you've got a real tree. And I'm not talking about the smell. I mean, you can get Glade to do that for you. I, I'm talking about the entire experience where you go, you pick out your tree, you chop it down, you mount it to the roof of your car, you look like a fool driving down the street, and everybody's you know, laughing at you. you. You drag that thing out, you, you get sap all over your hands and your arms, and you stain your clothes while you're trying to set this thing up. You're gouging your skin with a needle. I just think, what's not to love about that? That, to me, is Christmas. Uh, needless to say, my wife and I are fake tree people, have been since, since we've been married, fake tree people. And uh, she says it's because she's allergic, if you can believe it, but um, I, think, I think it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a scam. Because uh, what has transpired over the years in our marriage, um, I, I understand that, that now she was, she, it was all a ploy to really turn our household into a winter wonderland. Because it started simply enough with just one tree. Um, you know, one tree, we set it up and all of that, and the lights are on there, that's easy, that's great. Um, that is not the case now, my friends. Um, it started out simply enough. We had our firstborn, Reese, and uh, we had one tree, and she's like, you know, we should probably get a tree for Reese's room. I mean, he's a baby. He spends most of his time in the room, in the crib. Like, like we need him to experience the wonder of Christmas and in his environment, and so, you know, we, we got him a tree. And of course, as life goes on, we have more kids, and had Oliver, and she said, well, now we need to, we can't have him left out. We've got to have, two, Reese has his tree. We've got to have a tree for, for Oliver, so we got another tree, and then we had, had Grant, and so on. Not Pippa. I mean, you know where this story is going. Basically, the trees in our house tell the story of the fruit of our love, um, if you come over. And so, and somebody think, well, that's not, like, too bad. I mean, what is that, like, four or five trees? That, that, that's understandable, but... 
I'm telling you, it's out of control, friends. It is completely out of control, especially this year when I had been requested to go into the attic to grab the trees. I felt like the disciples in the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Every time I would go, there would be another tree. I said, how many trees did you get? Um, if you came over to our house right now, you might mistake it for a national park because it looks like a forest. <laughs> it looks, I literally got lost in the woods on the way to the dinner table last night. I said, Marissa, this is out of control. Uh, you, you've, like, we have a tree in every, house, in every room of our house. She said, nah, babe, it only looks that way. From my perspective, I still got two rooms left, the bathroom and the laundry room. So I'm just saying, tell somebody it only looks that way. Perspective is everything. And uh, in our text where we're reading, the, the nation of Israel, their situation, it looks bleak. It, it, it looks bad. It looks hopeless. But Isaiah is prophesying to him, and, he, and he's prophesying to them about a new perspective. He, he's speaking around 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And what he has to say is, honestly, it's pretty hard for them to hear because See, the Israelites didn't want to face the reality of the situation that, that they were in, of what was going on around them. They were about to be invaded by the Assyrians. And if you know anything about Bible history or world history, you know that the Assyrians were some bad people, that they were a savage people. They, they wouldn't just come in and take over. They would come in and massacre the people. They would come in and desecrate everything of value in every sacred place. And then they would take the best and the brightest of the population and dispatch them and ship them off to remote parts of, of their territory so they could be indoctrinated with their culture. That's what the Assyrians did. And God has been trying to bring his people back to them, but they wouldn't listen. They've continuously neglected his word. They've neglected his instructions. Saying, I don't need that. that. That doesn't relate to us and what we're going through. And as bad as these events are, as unpleasant as this situation is, the reality is, is it's serving as a wake-up call to them and they're beginning to cry for help. And so it's in this same passage where he's counseling Israel about this impending invasion and destruction from Assyria that he's prophesying to them about a Messiah. And one thing I've learned about Jesus, it's that it's often in our greatest grief that he gives us his greatest grace. Because they thought, man, they're about to experience incredible pain. But God makes them a promise of incredible peace. And he says, there's coming a Messiah who's gonna bring in a new kingdom, but he's not gonna come the way you expect. It's not gonna come in the, the way you think you would see him. This is what he says. For unto us a child is born. He's gonna come as a baby. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And then he says, this is how you're gonna know him. His name is called Wonderful. Now, I've heard some pretty strange baby names as a pastor, let me tell you. When I'm doing baby dedications, I get some of these baby names. I'm thinking, well, how did you come up? But you need another level of swagger when your name is Wonderful. Would you agree? It's like you come up, hey, what's your name? Wonderful. Amazing. Awe-inspiring. What's your name? Right? I mean, that is just, that, that is just blows my mind. Wonderful. But what, what's really crazy is you got to understand in Bible times, like, like names were everything. Like, like when somebody 
described her name, it, it was speaking of their character. It was prophetic about who they were, who, who they would be. And so Isaiah, he's saying, this is how you're going to know him. His name is wonderful. That's why I was confused when I started studying this passage because uh, this word, this Hebrew word, wonderful, it's not really wonderful like an adjective. Like we were just going, wow, it's, it's a wonderful season. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that pleasant? Really, it's describing a noun, wonder, saying his name will be wonder, like a sign and a wonder. I'm filled with wonder. Now, if you don't know what wonder means, wonder, the dictionary describes it, defines it as a feeling of admiration, a feeling of amazement, a feeling of awe. But it's caused, and this is what caught my attention, it's caused by something that's unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. And I wonder how many of the situations you're going into this year where you're encountering something that's unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. I bet God wants to take our problems this Christmas, our unexpected problems, our unfamiliar pressure, our inexplicable pains, and points you to a perspective of how he's working in your life. Because I want to tell you so many of the things that drain your joy and make you feel helpless, it only looks that way. And the first thing I want to talk about is expectations. Expectations. The truth is, all of us are going to have some unmet expectations in our life this Christmas. And it can range from the simple to the severe. It might be you don't get that gift that you wanted. It might be that you don't get to make that trip this year. It might be that your son doesn't come home for Christmas this year. And maybe you've already experienced this. Maybe you had an expectation of something that you thought it would happen, but it didn't happen, and now you're frustrated. This is how Israel felt when Isaiah was speaking to them. They didn't expect to be taken captive. They didn't expect to be invaded. They didn't expect to be dispatched and sent into an unfamiliar territory. But if we learn anything about the way that Jesus came into the world, it's that it didn't happen in a way that anybody would expect. I mean, think about all the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth. I mean, Mary and Joseph weren't ready for what was about to be dropped on them. That They weren't ready for that. I mean, Mary was a teenager, unmarried, and pregnant. Now, it's not just the fact that she was unmarried and pregnant. She's actually engaged to her fiancé, but it's not his baby. Don't worry, that's totally easy to explain. It's God's baby, because this has happened before in the history of the world. Totally. Once she told Joseph that, I mean, that was, yeah, obviously. This wasn't an easy thing to grasp. Now, let's just say that you can actually accept that to take into account how he was brought into the world. God sent his son into a violent and messy world. It, it was not peace on earth when Jesus came. The, the, the leaders were tyrants. The, the powerful 
oppressed the powerless. It was under the most unlikely of circumstances. It was full of violence and injustice. And God said, that's the scenario that I want to send my son into. He didn't even have a proper birth. You think about this, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one whose throne is the heavens and makes the earth his footstool. He wasn't born in a palace with pomp and circumstance. He was born into obscurity. No, nobody knew about it. It was under the radar. And when they did announce his birth, when angels came and announced his birth, they announced it to unlikely people. They didn't go to the affluent and the people who, who you would think would want to know about God. They went to the poor. They went to the unlikely. Even his heritage was scandalous. You, you, you think about this. The, the one who's going to be a king who would establish a kingdom of justice and peace and righteousness. He was born into a bloodline of doubters, backstabbers, murderers, sinners. Jesus didn't come into the world the way that we would expect. But what all those unexpected, unexpected situations gave birth to was really the wonder of the world. And I wonder if maybe you would look at your situation, those unmet expectations, the, those expectations that don't go the way you plan. I wonder if maybe you're just looking at it wrong. Like, I don't know what your expectations are this Christmas, but I do know I'm safe in saying that not everything is going to go the way that you expect. Somebody's going to offend you. There's going to be a lot of pressure to perform, and it doesn't go the right way. There's going to be a lot of demands on your life. You're going to want something, and it doesn't go that way. But just because things don't go the way you wanted doesn't mean that God can't still give you what's needed. I want to tell you that it only looks that way. But it's not just our expectations. There's also all the preparations. You know what I'm talking about? It's not just the things that don't go our way that frustrate us. It's all the things that we plan for that actually do. See, sometimes it's not the bad things that destroy us. It's the good things that distract us. And some of us were so busy making plans and preparations and all these things that have to be done, I think we miss out on the reason that we're celebrating in the first place. In fact, there's this passage in the New Testament. It actually talks about this very thing. It's where these two sisters, they were busy trying to get ready for Jesus. And honestly, it makes me think of the Christmas season because they were throwing this party in Jesus' honor. And they're inviting over all of their friends and family. Everybody's coming to their house. And one sister is Mary, and the other sister is Martha. And Mary is just sitting focused on Jesus, and Martha is busy making sure that everything is ready, that everything is prepared, that, that everything looks good. And I was related to Martha because Martha's the one that gets stuff done. You know what I mean? Like Martha is the one that you want to depend on if you've got a need in your life because she's going to make sure it happens. Now, in the story, Mary gets the credit, but I would just like to point out to you that Mary wouldn't have any place to sit down at the feet of Jesus if it wasn't for Martha, okay? So, like, lots of times we throw Martha under the bus, but at least Martha, 
if she wouldn't have even opened up her home, Mary wouldn't have had a place to sit. So there's something to be said for preparation. I mean, this is one instance in the Bible. Like if you take the story and be like, well, I guess you don't need to work hard and you don't need to plan and you don't need to credit. If you take like you just need to sit and focus, if that's all you take from this story, you're going to be sitting at the unemployment line. Like you need to work hard and prepare and plan. This is just one story in the Bible. But nevertheless, what's interesting is Jesus gives the affirmation to the one who's sitting doing nothing and he rebukes the one who's doing everything. And I wonder if the reason you might be frustrated this season is because you're making all these preparations, but you've got the wrong priorities. And that's the question I'm asking myself. Because, I mean, it's hard for me to keep my focus on Jesus with just all the plans and everything that's moving on in the season. And I'm thinking... Man, if it's hard for me to keep Jesus at the center and like it's kind of my job, like as the pastor, to keep Jesus in focus, I'm wondering what is it like for you? It's a challenge with all of the preparations. It's a challenge with everything we're facing. And I literally, I was driving in my car, praying this week. I said, Jesus, don't you see everything I'm trying to do for you? And he said, Justin, I don't need you to do anything for me. And you know that's the same thing he said to Martha. He said, Martha, you are worried and you are concerned about all these different things. But can I tell you, there's only one thing that's needed. Just one. Can I tell you, you might be worried about making memories. There's nothing wrong with that. Make some memories, have some fun. You might be stressed out about all the presents that you know you gotta get and you're trying to get around. There's nothing wrong with that. Buy presents, give presents. That's that's amazing. You might be you might be thinking about like all the ten thousand trees you want to decorate in your house. Now that's satanic. You need to knock that off, okay? <laughs> but I'm just telling you that there might be all these preparations that you're trying to make and, and all these things. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but but don't make all the preparations make you miss out on what's really a priority. The, the truth is, at some point, you have to draw the line and say, I'm not going to let anything that will ultimately mean nothing keep me from experiencing what means everything. And the truth is, there are some things you can't control. There are some demands that you can't, can't get out of. That's why... I want to talk to you about obligations. Obligations. I'm amazed at how much our calendar fills up during this time of year. And it's not like they're evil. I mean, most of the things on our calendar, they are good, godly things. You know, we we want to go to our kids' music program. I mean, I might not want to, but you might want to go to our kids' music program. You know, we, we we, we want to, you know, see our family. You know, we want to go to the party. We, we want to give these gifts. We, we want to do these things. And we want to maximize the moments. And all of that's awesome. That, that, that's great. But I was that it's hard to navigate because you can't be everywhere at once. And, and, and you can't do everything you want to do. And sometimes the pressure of everything you can't do makes you feel exasperated at the things that you have to do. And so 
in a moment like this, it'd be really easy for me to just say to you, well, you know what? You just need to say no a little bit more. You just need to not be so busy. You're just overcommitted. But you know what? Jesus was busy. Jesus had a lot of demands on his life. Everywhere he went, there were people that wanted something from him. Every time he tried to get away, there were people who would follow him. I'm just saying, like, Jesus was busy. So I don't think the answer is just, well, you just don't need to be busy. Uh, the, the reality is you can't choose every situation that you go into, but you can choose to focus on the presence of God. And that's what Isaiah was trying to get Israel to see. He was saying, look, I know there's some things that seem overwhelming, but it only looks that way. And really, the message that I'm trying to bring you today isn't to strive for perfection, but it's to reach for God's presence in every situation you go into. There are going to be so many things you don't get to choose. You're going to be in there. you got to make the best of it. But instead of focusing on all these demands on your life, say, God, I'm going to prioritize your presence and I'm not saying you just shut your eyes and pretend like the situation doesn't exist. But I'm challenging you to open your eyes and see your situation from a new perspective. And so I don't know what's holding you back from experiencing God's presence. But, but maybe it's hesitation. Maybe it's hesitation. See, I, I think what keeps us from experiencing God's best and God's presence in Christmas is really if we accept this message for what it is, which would be, if I accept this truth, that God, the creator of heaven and earth, came into a violent and crazy world because he saw my struggle. He saw my pressure. He saw my pain. He saw everything that was frustrating me, all these expectations on my life, all these demands, all these things I was trying to get ready for. He saw that, all the things that didn't go right, he saw all of that. And he says, I'm sending my son because I love you. I want you to know what love is. I want you to know what life is. I want you to experience real life and real hope. And, and maybe, maybe you can relate to like the nation of Israel when Isaiah was saying, you're trying all these things and nothing's satisfying. You're feeling, you're trying to get some Christmas cheer, but you end up feeling more empty. You're walking in darkness. Can I just tell you what the words of Jesus are? Jesus said this, that I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, maybe you've been struggling because you're hesitating to accept what the Christmas story really means to you. This was Isaiah's prophetic message to Israel. He said that what you see as the end is, is not really the end, and that out of this dilemma is going to come your deliverance. Because, see, when Isaiah prophesied, it didn't change the circumstance. And can I tell you, like, this message is not going to change some of the pains, so some of those frustrations, some of those unmet expectations. This message isn't going to change the fact that that person's not going to be there at the table this year. This message isn't going to change the fact that you've got a lot of demands on your calendar this year. 
It's not going to change that. But it might give you a new perspective that you're not aware of. He's, Isaiah said, look, in the, in the midst of feeling helpless, you can have hope. In the midst of your grief, you can have grace. In the midst of your pain, you can know peace. Instead of feeling wounded, you can feel wonder. That's what it, he takes those, those unexpected, those unfamiliar, those inexplicable things, and he turns them into wonder. And here's the message for you. He doesn't call you to just close your eyes and pretend like it doesn't exist. But he calls you to open your eyes and see the world in wonder. And so I want you to think about, here's the application. I want you to think about what is it in your life that's keeping you from seeing God's presence? This season, this year, this Christmas? Is it all the... All the demands on your life, all, all the things that you're expecting to happen, all, all the places that you got to be and you're trying to make happen? Is, is it all the preparations that you're making, everything on your calendar? Is it, are you hesitating to, to see all the, like what this really means? Because I've learned that there, there's two perspectives. You can look at or you can look up. You can look at the expectations you can look at all of the, the preparations. You can look at all of the obligations, at your hesitation. Or you can look up. You can see Jesus. And you can see hope. You can look at your problem or you can look up and you can see hope. And that's what I want to tell you today. It only looks that way. God wants to give you a new perspective. And whatever it is that's causing you to, to feel hopeless, you can have a different perspective if you look up. Whatever that situation is, God wants you to see that he sent his son into the world, into a violent, crazy world, into a world in turmoil so that you could have a relationship with him, so you could know him, so you could experience his presence.